Good morning, elect exiles. This morning we get to think about our relationships uh, inside the church. Uh, if you're new with us, we've been walking through First Peter. First uh, Peter addresses the church as elect exiles, which is why I greeted you all this way. Uh, and as we've seen the, the call first to uh, trust Christ, there's a, there's a great assurance we've been given new life in Christ. Uh, there's a call as to what it means to be sojourners here, waiting for Christ's return and the glory that is to come. We, we've seen different relationships. Uh, now we've turned to this interrelationship within the church. We see elders specifically being addressed, and we'll look at also what it means to be younger. I'm going to give an argument for why that's church members. I'm a firm believer that clear expectations make for healthy relationships. Uh, important for us to think through what this text says so that we understand what we should be expecting of one another. Something important as we think about this text, we're, we're all coming together in Christ to, to be under him. He, he is the, the head of the church. He is the chief shepherd. And with humility, we come to one another to fulfill the different specific requirements that God has for us. If you're taking notes, the simple summary statement is a call to endure as elect exile, as elders who shepherd, and a flock who submits. We see a call to endure as elect exiles, as elders who shepherd, and a flock who submits. There are three different groups listed out in our text. There's elders, and most of the text is focused on elders shepherding. That's verses 1 to Three, one to four, rather. And then verse five has two different addressees the younger, and then all of us, or all y'all. We see there elders shepherd, youngers submit, all y'all clothe yourselves in humility. Uh, the first point, which is our longest portion of the text, therefore, will be the longest point. Elders shepherd. Peter writes, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. We see there who's writing. It's Peter, and, and he gives some qualifications as to who he is and why he's writing and how he's writing. And we see he's mainly writing to the elders here to shepherd God's sheep. First about Peter and these comments he makes, because he's writing to elders as a fellow elder. He, he, he's not writing in any way uh, in terms of a, a higher form of an elder. The, the three words that we actually see in this text, elder, shepherd, oversight, those are three different words that we believe all refer to the same office. The, 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 the elders, the, sh the pastors or shepherds, and the overseers, those are used interchangeably. We can also see those in Acts 20, verse 28. Jesus is the chief shepherd, the true shepherd, the, the, the good shepherd. God himself who has come to care for his sheep, to, to lay down his life for the sheep. And then Jesus appoints shepherds to continue that work by the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice Peter is saying uh, as a fellow elder, he's, 
He, he is not holding some kind of position above other elders. We, we are apostolic in this way. Not, not that we, we believe we have some line of, of popes, but we're apostolic in that we're all coming together devoted to the apostles' teaching, handed down to us uh, as, as Jude 6 or Jude uh, 4 tells us. Well, we're all committed to the same teaching that Jesus gave the disciples and the apostles, and we're seeking to come up underneath that same authority. Peter does refer to his being a witness of the sufferings of Christ. That, that is an apostolic claim, but it's one of 12. He's, he's one of many apostles. He, he's making sure we understand that there is the, the true Christ who suffered once for sin, and he was a witness of those things. And then he actually calls an equality with all believers in that as a partaker of the glory that's going to be revealed. We're all waiting for the same glory, equally. The, the church has been described throughout Peter in a number of ways. Temple seems to be his preferred metaphor and picture. Christ, the living stone, the, the, the risen stone who gives life, where, where stones built upon him together to be a temple, a holy priesthood, accessing God, having, having come to God, making God known. There's a wonderful commonality, the priesthood of believers. And then there's different instructions for different works within the church. We, we saw just a couple weeks ago, we all serve as of the Lord, and some serve and some teach in that service. A, a specific exhortation to shepherds, to the elders. Well, there, as Ben mentioned, there's, there's four of us. There's a lot more than four people here, praise the Lord. Yeah. These instructions are especially weighty for us, but I, it's important that we all hear these instructions. One, I hope you know what to expect from your elders. The, 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 the hope here is that you would see how we think about these exhortations and how we are seeking to fulfill them, and you can come talk to us about that. I think it's also helpful to see the, the, the job description. It's a, it's a different kind of job description there in verse 2. There's not a checklist when it comes to willingly, eagerly, and being an example. There's a way in which you can understand the, maybe the difficulties of the work of the elder. Third, there's also a way in which you're understanding what does it mean to submit to these elders? What does it mean to fulfill that function? And then I, I pray there's a lot of folks in the room who will one day be elders. And you can start looking and thinking about what kind of direction and aim you should have. P Peter personally addresses these elders first as an equal. He, he doesn't claim to have some unique authority. I also want you to see he's addressing elders. We, we praise God for a plurality of elders. The, the, the church is meant to be led by a team, a group of elders and we are thankful we have been given such. Let's just look at the work of the elders. There's verses 2 and 3. Peter calls the elders among you, that is the churches, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples 
to the flock. Now, pastors serve God in the church by making disciples of Jesus Christ. That, that is a call of every member, every believer. Every disciple of Jesus is meant to be a faithful disciple of Jesus who denies themselves, carry their cross, follows Jesus, and make disciples. The, the, the goal of the elders is to help promote the disciple-making. To, to lead the way in disciple-making, to, to be part of the, the training and proclamation of that disciple-making, to promote that unity towards disciple-making. The, the unique aspect of the elder is taking on more responsibility to help all the members actually fulfill this duty. As we think about the title here, elder, which is the most common title in Scripture, I want to think about the different qualifications, and, and we, we would have to go somewhere else for that. Titus 1, 1 Timothy 3. Elders, that, that, that represents a, a maturity. Right? They're, 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 the idea of elder doesn't mean you have to be a, of a certain age. Uh, Paul tells Timothy not to let someone look down upon him because of his youth. It isn't just the older people. It's those who have matured. They've, they've grown up in Christ. There's a, a maturity about them. And the significant word, if you're going to look at Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3, it's really the word must. Because all those qualifications are really all characteristics and virtues that every Christian should seek to have. The, the whole idea of an elder is someone who, they, they must have this quality, the virtue, the character. And they must have it in order to steward what God has given them. They cannot hand it over if they do not have it. So the elders, we're going to have more of a clear declaration here. Shepherd the flock of God. This is the key charge. This is the key command in the text. Well, a shepherd is caring. A shepherd is watchful. A shepherd provides, makes sure there's, there's food. A shepherd protects, makes sure there's, there's not danger. And it's important to realize who the elders are shepherding. It's, it's the flock of God. When you think about the qualifications of elder, a key phrase is above reproach. And you think about the work, it's stewarding. The, the whole work of being an elder is a work of stewarding. T taking who belongs to God and who Christ has purchased with his own blood, as Acts 20, 28 tells us. And seeking to care for God's flock in God's way. We heard earlier from John 10, Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. He, he is the shepherd we've all believed in and the only one we really have life from. Elders, they're, they're not hired hands, as John 10 makes the contrast. Elders aren't the chief shepherd, but we also can't be hired hands because hired hands run away when there's danger. Now, the the, the elders, the, these, 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 these who are shepherding, they're, they're not hired hands who are just here to gain something temporarily and, and will run away when there's danger. No, well, we're part of the flock. We're united with Christ. There's a certain important declaration we've made and a commitment we've made to, to take on the responsibility and care for others. As we saw a few weeks ago, the whole church is to be tender-hearted, sympathetic. There's a, there's a certain care. The whole church is supposed to have a, a united mind and, and, and be humble in mind. And the elders are supposed to emphasize brotherly love towards that end. These are all expectations of us. But elders, I want to say, are, they're, they're pace setters. 
One of the ways I often think about the church is, is really with a couple of rings. And the, the, the first is the center ring. See, the, the, the whole idea of the church is the, the elders, we're trying to push people to that center ring, the, the healthy part of the church where, where disciples are making disciples. The, the, the healthy center where members are, are coming and they're learning and they're growing and they're serving one another, they're loving one another, they're exercising all their different gifts for one another. That, that healthy, healthy center is where the elders train, encourage. I'm a congregationalist, and we're a congregational church. And the most basic level, that means the church is made up of disciples who are committed to making disciples. Tr- trying to pull the sheep into the center of the flock. Maybe sometimes push them towards the center of the flock so that they're able to grow healthy with the rest of the sheep. One of the primary ways we as elders do this is teaching. If there's a unique responsibility, there's a, a teaching. And there's all kinds of different teaching. There's preaching. There's instruction. There's correction. There's comfort. As we think about this, we, we can't fulfill all the commands of Scripture in the one and a half to two to five hours we might be here this morning. It won't be five hours. This is why we have a Sunday morning service and a Wednesday night service. We have other groups where we try to fulfill the different ways in which Christ has commanded us. As we think about Sunday morning and the imagery of, of what the church is. This is designed to be somewhat more of the temple. There's a liturgy. There's an order. There's a, there's a way in which we're being led. And Well, Wednesday night, that's more the household, the family, where we're coming together and praying with one another and carrying burdens. And there's many other studies where we're hoping to train, equip, and evangelize. As we are seeking to shepherd, the, our primary goal is to point you to Christ. To, to, to come there to gather. And well, that, that means we're seeking presence among what the church is doing. Elders also protect. And this is another ring. There's, a, there's an internal ring where we're trying to push people into what's happening with the, with the, the focus of discipleship. But there's an outernal, external ring where we're trying to make sure, well, wolves don't come in. There, there, there's a danger that we're trying to protect people from. And sometimes that danger is wolves. Sometimes the danger is just sheep believing the lies that live within, too. The most dangerous thing for the church is when our own sin creeps in. Our own sin, the, the old man, full of deception and destruction. So, some of the great dangers to the Christian church today are that self-isolation many are prone to. Sometimes because of depression, and we, 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 we want to know how to help you, but it, but it means we, we need to be able to come together and, and, and talk. The self-isolation from pride or selfishness is a whole other problem. Uh, another significant danger for the Christian church is sports entertainment, just the, the commitments that draw our hearts away from worshiping God. And the third is busyness. We're all busy doing lots of good things, but are we doing what makes disciples? I say that because the way to stay immune from the kind of disease, the gangrene of false doctrine, false belief, false desire, is it, to, to constantly be healthy. The, the immunity is by growing up in Christ to be stronger. Elders. A specific charge I want us to consider for this passage is Jesus declares that his 
sheep know his voice. He knows his sheep and his sheep know his voice. We, we must know his sheep, but more important than that is knowing Jesus' own voice. Because we, we have to sound like him. And the reason we need to sound like him is to, one, train the sheep to know what Jesus' voice sounds like. And to help them draw closer to him as we declare his truth in his way for his glory. If you're not a believer this morning, this probably sounds strange. Why are the different metaphors? I, I, I want you to hear one thing. Everybody in this room is described by Jesus as a sheep who went his own way and astray. We, we, we were designed to be near God, close to him. But all of us, because of sin, have veered away, gone, gone away from him, even against him. Jesus came to lay down his life for the sheep who have run away from God. Because our running away from God, our sin is what creates a distance from God. Jesus comes to lay down his life so we can be forgiven and be brought back near to him. The only way to be forgiven for our sin against God is by believing in Jesus Christ who alone died to forgive us. And trusting him to bring us back. This morning, I don't want you to leave without talking to someone around you or me before, uh, before uh, discussing that question. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? So elders, we... we Shepherd, we care, we provide, we protect. And notice exercising oversight is qualifying what it means to shepherd. Here, there's a, a clear way in which there's setting up some order. I, 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 the, the shepherding, that, that oftentimes is pretty easy because we're, we're taking the word of God and we're seeking to just apply it. The, the shepherding, I find much more direct and clear because we're seeking to take God's truth and proclaim it and teach it and, and, and apply it, sometimes specifically strategically or, or surgically. This order or oversight, that's a little more complicated. That, that's where wisdom comes in. What is it we're going to prioritize? What is it we think God is doing? How are we going to determine a budget? Set a calendar? Make priorities? This is where the work of an elder is Somewhat like being an orchestra conductor. See, God, God's given us the music. The, the work of an elder is to make sure the right person is playing the right instrument in the right chair. All right, the flautist always want to run back and, and hit the gong for some reason. And somebody's always trying to sneak in a tambourine. You see, the, the, the beauty of the, the church all coming together with all different gifts and abilities is if we're all in that proper place that God has designed and in using the gifts God has given us we're, we're able to be uh, make, make a glorious noise make, make a glorious sound before God but the, the work of an elder is to make sure the right people are in the right place making the right instrument and it's funny because it, it always seems like somebody likes somebody else's gifts more exercising oversight that's determining the diet of the church how are we going to try to fulfill all these different commandments the, the exercising oversight is commissioning workers and protecting a calendar, saying no to some things so we can say yes to others. If we're to put these two together, I, the shepherding is, is tending the vine, and the oversight is creating a trellis. If that, if that vine's growing, it, it needs the proper support and order and organization. 
So we have to be able to do both. As we think about oversight, we actually think about shepherding, which is normally applied to kings in the Old Testament. We, we have to see there's an authority here, and we have to believe there's such a thing as good authority. It, it's really easy to find all the examples of bad authority. We have to first believe in good authority because God has all authority, and he's perfectly good. There's not anyone who's been in a church longer than a year that hasn't experienced some kind of confusion over what authority might be and how it could be exercised. We, we have to believe in good authority as we look to Jesus, who shows us what God's good authority means. And if you have any position of authority, you're a teacher, you're a, a parent, you're a, you're, a, you're a husband, understand if God has given you any authority, it's that you would use everything you have to bless somebody else. As we think about authority, there are authorities and there's good authority. Jesus, the chief shepherd, is the example of what it means to exercise authority. The call is that we, the elders, would be examples of that good authority. All right, let's ask a question. There's three different titles here. Elders, shepherds, pastors, overseers, bishops. What should you guys call us? It's kind of confusing because for some reason, more people tend to call Ben and I pastor and James and Brian elder. And that doesn't create any kind of confusion among us, but just make sure it doesn't create any confusion among you. We're all elders, pastors, overseers. We don't really care what you call us as long as it doesn't really get in the way of what we do and how we work as a team. We don't want you to lose any sleep over it. The, 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 the names matter. The titles matter. The, the work is what matters most. Elders and men who would be elders, let me be very clear as we think about what this means. What the church needs most from her elders is their holiness. If, if, you, if we aren't first paying careful attention to ourselves in our walk with God, in our knowing Christ, in our seeking him, we're, we're not going to have anything to offer the church. The, the churches can be a confusing place because of how busy it can be, how, how, how much is going on. The, the church's health isn't in all the activities. It's, it's in how we're growing up into maturity of Christ. If all we want to do is teach, or if all you want to do is teach and not love the sheep, all you want is a podcast. I hope, church, you don't want just a podcast where you're listening to something. No, the, the whole idea is that there's, there's presence, there's, there's involvement, there's, there's being known and knowing. If, if, if you are an elder, if, if you're considering what that might look like, remember, Paul, Paul says that you desire a noble task. It's a high calling of servanthood for the glory of God. Now, what follows is a really unusual job description. He, he's, he's, he's giving not the specific task, but we must shepherd, exercising oversight in three ways. And there, notice it's, it's a negative and a positive pairing. Not under compulsion, but willingly. As God would have you. Not for shameful game, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, 
but being examples to the flock. As we look at these motivations, we need to consider that what our motivation is, why we do something, for what gain. The key here, there's an above reproach aspect here. In the same way, your, your elders are not sinless. We have not yet arrived to glory. We're, we're, we're also not perfectly uh, clear and obedient and, and, and always never under compulsion and never for shameful gain and never domineering. The whole idea is that we're, we're seeking to confess whenever we go astray and we're seeking to, to let the positive ways in which he's instructing dominate the way we actually approach being a pastor. We're still sinners, in other hands, in other words. Here, the, the call, shepherding willingly. This is why you take on the work. We're to call to be shepherd willingly, not under compulsion. What I found fascinating as I wrestled with this is Three of my favorite pastors were all forced to be pastors at some level. Augustine, Greg of Nazianzus, and Calvin were, were, were all somewhat under compulsion. There were, they were, they were, they were some of them more forced than others. And, and the reason they ultimately willingly submitted and, 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 and agreed to pastor was because they saw the value of it. But the reason they were hesitant was because of the demand. There's, a, there's an importance of not under compulsion. This could come from pressure from outside. A parent wanting to push their child into ministry. A pastor wanting to push someone into ministry. A church pressuring somebody into ministry. There could be also pressure from within. Your own conscience. It's not forced. But it's, a, it's something we do willingly. As God would have you. We've seen over and over again God's will. What I want to encourage us to think about, church, is whenever somebody comes on to be an elder, to take that new position, they really don't start doing a whole lot new. Our, our hope is that we would actually recognize who's already doing the work of an elder with the character of an elder. Someone who's already eager and willing to be with the flock and care for the flock and teach the flock and, and demonstrate to the flock Christ's likeness. The, the more we are aligned with God, the more willing we are to serve his people. The, the second qualification, the second job description, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. This is more of a, a what for. The first is why. Why would you do it? Willingly, as God has called and the church has affirmed, now it's for what gain? Well, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And, and eagerly there seems to carry the idea of freely giving. We can see that contrast better, right? Not for shameful gain, but freely giving and an eagerness to serve. Shameful gain could be money. I think often it's more likely, especially as we have lay elders, not on staff or payroll, it, it, it too often is for esteem, self-worth. Entering into the ministry because of how others are going to see you is, is not a good motivation. Entering the ministry so that you can stand before the Lord and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, that, that, that's the gain. There is a gain you're seeking to have. Verse 4 makes that clear. The unfading crown of glory 
But if you're entering into the role of caring for God's flock, it's, it's not for what you're going to get shamefully, something, something that the flock isn't meant to give you, some kind of self-worth or identity. No, it's, it's what you're giving. It, it, it's, it's you being filled up. It's the, it's the elders being filled up to, to give back to God's people. Uh, the third job description, the third qualification there in verse 3, not domineering over those in your charge, the, the flock of God that is among you, but, but rather being example to the flock. This is where metaphors break down. Jesus is a lion and a lamb. The lion and the lamb. Those are two very different creatures, aren't they? Two different, very, very different metaphors. Well, this is kind of funny if we think about it. The shepherd is supposed to model for the sheep what it looks like to be a sheep. You may not know this, but I grew up on a sheep farm. 11 years, shepherd. I never walked around on all fours to show the sheep how to be sheep. I fed them. I watered them. Kept them in a fence. Kind of a weird thing. It's important for the whole church to remember shepherds are sheep that are given an extra responsibility. The first and foremost responsibility is knowing the chief shepherd. Following him so that we can then be examples for the other sheep of what it means to be like Christ. Shepherds must have the character and the conduct of the mature believer in Christ in order to model that for the other sheep. Lording over is the opposite of being an example. Being an example of Christ means you're humbly serving as Christ came. The domineering, that's lording over. That, that's demanding others believe just like you believe in your personal opinions outside of Scripture or, or wanting to live out the convictions exactly as you live out. There is a way in which we are committed to binding your conscience, believer. It's, it's, it's based on what Christ has taught us. Our, our, our desire is that you would grow closer in Christ as you abide in him, and as you abide in him, you... You obey him. There's a way in which we, we have to be able to speak with the authority of Christ as, as, with, as the apostles also did. As those who have the word of God and, and want to help you believe the word of God and trust the word of God and obey the word of God. That's not the domineering. That's helping you come under Christ and obey him. The lording over is if we were to insist on things outside of Christ. To be unnecessarily demanding. Elders, and again, it's important that we know Christ so that we sound like him here. Verse 4. We now see how all this is under Christ, the chief shepherd. He's the chief shepherd because he is almighty Lord who, who, who promised he would come in Ezekiel. He, he's the good shepherd because he laid down his life. He's the one who has purchased all of us as sheep. He's the one who's come down and laid his life as promised. 
And we're supposed to shepherd elders longing for the day that he returns. That, that, that day to be revealed back in verse 1. The day uh, that we would receive the unfading crown of glory. We must shepherd knowing he will return and give an account for how we shepherd. Church, we would be very clear about something that one of the most significant burdens of being an elder is knowing we will disappoint you. It's inevitable. Right? We, we, we just know we're going to disappoint you. The great privilege of being an elder is constantly pointing you to the chief shepherd who never disappoints. I want to go back to verse 1, and I want to look at that little word we skipped over, so. That connects us to that previous section. Why is Peter giving these elders this exhortation? The, the most direct previous statement is that there is going to be a judgment that begins with the household of God. Elect exiles. The, the, the reason for us being a church that unites and commits to one another, the reason to have elders is that we need to know how to live now as elect exiles in obedience and hoping and trusting as we all await that judgment. That, that, that's the weight of this declaration. The, the weight, elders, is that we're seeking to, to lead God's flock through the wilderness, through this difficulty, through persecution. The, the weight of it is in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the unjust suffering, in the, in the midst of a world coming crashing in, waiting for the judgment. The goal is that we all get there faithfully and obedient, longing to see Jesus and all hearing the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Elders shepherd, our second section, our, our second declaration, we see a, a likewise. We, th this is often put whenever there's two different kinds of relationships or, or, or another group is being addressed here. Elders shepherd and likewise, those who are younger be subject to the elders. Now, here's a big question. What, what's a younger? Who are the youngers? It could be referring to those who have a younger age. I, I, I believe as much as it's clear that elder must be referring to the office, here younger is probably not referring to age in relation to elder, but, well, the church members. Is that an unusual way to address the church? Yes. Kind of similar to 1 John in that he calls the church children. But, but here I believe the, the whole idea is elders are shepherding the flock, and the flock are the youngers. The key declaration is be subject. Okay, let's get the awkwardness out of the way. Here I am, an elder, and I'm communicating with a lot of youngers to submit. The culture would oppose this in every way because to call someone to submit is giving over to uh, oppression, some hi hierarchical model. The, the Bible calls every believer to submit to someone. It is impossible to be faithful to your Lord Jesus Christ without submitting to someone. We've seen 
regular commands to submit throughout Peter. Elect exiles, all of this to earthly governing authorities, slaves to masters, wives to husbands, and now the church body to her elders. As we looked at all those different commands, and that was a few weeks ago, my, my desire was to provide the same definition of submit, but then kind of give the texture of each each possible relationship, because those are different kinds of relationships, and it calls for different kinds of submission. Here, the elders who are shepherding, well, the church is called to submit to them. There's a recognition of a, a position in the relationship, of deference, honor, respect, that seeks to obey and to follow. I recently read a book on authority within the church. It was a Christian book on authority. I highly recommend it. It's in the bookstall. He defined submission with two words that I think were helpful that kind of captured this in a more simple, clear way. Submission is deferring to the judgments and decisions of somebody else and deploying your resources in order to fulfill those judgments and decisions. See, submission isn't just deference. Submission has, is a practice. It isn't just warm thoughts towards somebody's ideas. No, it's, it's, it's committing to actually following along. And, well, that's, that's pretty obvious if you think about what it means to be a, a citizen to a governing authority, a slave to a master, a wife to a husband. And, Lord willing, that, that seems obvious as a church member to elders. Submission is deference that's practiced. Deployment. This is oftentimes most needed whenever there's a difference of opinion. There's a different understanding. It's important, church, as we are praying for more elders, where we're, we are praying and, and, and actively seeking new elders to, to, to add to who we already have. When, when you're asking someone to be an elder, and, and the church does affirm someone to be an elder, you're, you're actively seeking to say, I'm, I'm going to submit to them. I'm going to trust them. It's why it's important we, we know each other and we, we, we seek to know each other's lives. When we ask an elder to do the work of an elder, to take on that weighty responsibility, we're, we're, we're declaring we trust you and we, we want to submit to you. Now, you could say, well, I'm not going to vote for that person. Well, if you're not voting for them, you're, you're now saying, I'm going to submit to the church that has voted to make that person an elder. It's important that we understand when we set somebody aside for the weighty work of being a deacon, of being an elder, or to take on a responsibility like Sunday school teacher, we're also going to commit to saying we're going to support them because of that work. In January, we're going to ask for recommendations for elders and deacons. And, and I pray every member is going to give us recommendations of men we can consider. I want to be clear as we think about the section I, I am so thankful for Jefferson Park Baptist Church. You're, you're, you're a joy to pastor. There, okay, there's been difficult seasons. There's always something going on. But it, the, the commitment you have to Christ, his word, one another, just, just, just absolute gratitude has, 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 has been before me as I've thought about the awkwardness of telling you to submit to, to us as elders that, just the joy you are 
in the way you're, you're showing deference, in the way you're deploying your resources, the way you're, you're coming alongside. We, we who gather here at 2505 Jefferson Park Avenue, it is simply a joy and an honor to see how we come together unified in our worship, unified in our mission. One of the most important commitments we have as elders as we consider the work of shepherding is to always assume the best and to expect the best. And we hope this will be, as you're considering what it means to submit, that you would also practice the same thing. Always assume the best and expect the best. The important here is don't assume the worst of your leaders. Please come and ask us any questions you have. The significance here is Jesus came to die for sheep who are going astray, and we're all seeking to come together and be unified all under him. And Well, that means submission. This is why we promise in our covenant we will pray for our leaders and submit to them as they lead to Christ through Scripture, teaching and correcting with gentleness. The elders, we submit to one another. Believe it or not, we don't all think it's the same. We actually have disagreements in our elders' meetings. As elders, we have the responsibility to shepherd with oversight, and church has a responsibility to submit to our shepherding and oversight. Now, as you submit, I want to give you four qualifications. One, if you hear a false gospel preach, you have the responsibility to shut it down. See Galatians 1. My wife found a pickleball pick, uh, ball in her purse today, and I thought, well, she's just going to hit me if I don't preach the gospel properly. You, you have the responsibility, as Galatians, the church of Galatia, had the responsibility. It is your responsibility to make sure the gospel is preached. You, you do not submit to a false gospel. Qualification two. If you see a false witness based on ungodly behavior, you have the responsibility to shut it down so that the church knows how to follow godly instruction based upon godly models. See 1 Timothy 5.19. Those are two ways in which submission has qualifications. Qualification number three. There are so many decisions that must be made in order for everything to happen. And those decisions most likely could always be done a little better. But our hope is that you'll see our desire to make the best decision we can and all the decisions that are made, and we'll deploy your resources to help those decisions move smoother. Qualification number four, it's okay to vote no in our members' meetings. But ultimately, we're not just asking you to submit to our leadership, but you're also submitting to one another in the affirmations we all make together. I want to end this section with another, again, just straightforward word of gratitude. It is a joy and honor to see how Christ has blessed us. And to be very clear, the, the, it's not a burden. The, the weight of what it means to be an elder at Jefferson Park right now is to simply keep up with what God's doing here. That, 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 that is the wonderful weight of being an elder right now. Simply keeping up with all God is doing in you and through you. Our last group, we're going to come back to this one as it launches into the next section next week. All y'all be humble. Notice as elders, likewise youngers, 
Well, then it's all y'all, all of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. All means all. Elders towards elders, elders towards youngers, youngers towards youngers, youngers towards elders. Everything that's just been said has under it the foundation that it requires humility to do any of it. Humility. We cannot shepherd according to God's way without humility. You cannot submit according to God's ways without humility. Humility is a basic Christian characteristic that continues to grow. Let me be just very clear. There is no gospel of Jesus Christ without a cross. And there is no way someone can look at the cross and what it means and not grow in humility. God's son had to come down to die for us. That's humbling. In our rebellion, in our sin, in our difficulty, Christ laid down his life for us. That, that is the first step and point and source for all humility for the Christian life. And it is impossible to meditate on the cross and not have humility stirred up within. Humility is required to shepherd well. Humility is required to submit well. Humility is required for any obedience. And notice the command, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. This is the basic Christian relationship. Love one another and be humble towards one another. Those two come together as we seek to desire what's best for one another. But this language, it, it is just like what you thought about when you went in your closet this morning and thought, what am I going to put on? It's an intentional, thoughtful act. There's an intentional way in which we're all seeking to put on the same humility because we all know the same Lord. We're all supposed to be putting this on. It's, it's something intentional we do as we seek to relate one another in Christ. Humility is what Christ modeled for us. Humility is what he calls us to have toward one another so that we can be the church, the holy temple that, that endures as elect exiles. Looking forward to the day of Christ's return. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your great grace that has overcome our great sin. We thank you that you did not leave us as sheep wandering away, but you in the power of your voice called us. In the power of Christ and the cross and the resurrection drew us near. And now we thank you that we can be a temple ordered by your word. Lord, we pray that we as shepherds would be given the grace to humble ourselves before you, to know you so we make you known, to, to exemplify pouring out so that the church would know you. 
Lord, we, we pray for the members of this church to, to see Christ. Not only just one another, but, 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 but in us as elders. As we seek to be the, the pace setters for not just what is taught, but what is, what is obeyed and what is done and what is prioritized. We pray that we would have that humble mind, united mind, as we all come together under Christ. We pray we would know how to worship our humble king with humility because you lift us up and draw us near him. In his name we pray, amen.